I'm Asan. It's Friday, and this is the Friday Show. It's been another busy week in City World. And joining me to join the dots and preview the big game against Chelsea, I've got Lloyd and firstly, George. Morning, George. Good morning, Asan. How are we doing? Uh, yeah, we're doing all right. It's Friday, and I like Fridays more than I like Mondays, and regular listeners will know how much I like Mondays. So, um, yeah, I'm in, I'm in good spirits. How are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm also in in good spirits on on this Friday. Looking forward to the weekend and uh, a trip down to London for uh, Chelsea away on Sunday. Excellent. I guess you've gotten over the uh, John Stones oh, injury because I saw a saw a very distressed tweet from you the other day about yeah. waking up to the Stones injury news. Believe me, I can feel your pain. I was in exactly the same place. Yeah, I just was like, oh, what a, what a perfect night of Champions League football. Some more goals for Haaland, taking him up the. Um, up the 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 all time scorer ranks, comfortable victory, and uh, a nice uh, Doku um, cameo, and then suddenly I go to bed, don't check anything online, and um, yeah, wake up to the Stones injury, which uh, yeah, it did put me in a bit of a sour mood for about two days, but yeah. I'm uh, I'm I'm trying to be optimistic and um, and uh, and you know and not let that cloud any of what's to come in the next few weeks. But um, I'm just glad that we've got one of those weeks as an international break that we, uh, that we were without him. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm over it now, but I'm still, still a little sad. Lloyd, you, how are you feeling about the week and Johnny Stones? I'm pretty good about Stones. And I'm, I don't think I'll be over it until I know how bad the injury is, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um because we still don't really know, do we? Massive blow. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, we've we've all said it a lot in our different ways this season, but he's one of the most important players for how we play. I think particularly in the big games, it's I, I think it's we can get by with Stones a lot easier um, in some of the more routine games. But given we've got, you know, Liverpool coming up, Spurs coming up, really helps to have him, I think, for games like that, particularly the Liverpool game. So... It's a big blow, but you know, it is what it is. We got we got to deal with it. There's plenty of injuries around this season, um, but no, other than that, I'm good. Uh, weather's looking a bit shit today, but um, <laughs> I've been trying to get a Chelsea away ticket, but unsuccessful. So well done, George. <laughs> Keep trying. Well, if anybody's listening, if you got a spare ticket for Lloyd, yeah, uh, sort me out. Sorry, Mal. Nice one. Well, look, staying on the on the Stones injury theme, Lloyd, I'm going to stay with you. Um, uh, obviously, there's a lot of stories about Calvin Phillips leaving in January. I would expect him to leave in January just because it feels as though the penny has dropped for him that he needs to play football. Uh, certainly in the second half of the season with the tournament for England next summer on the horizon. Can you see City going back into the market? And actually, my question's a little bit wider than that. Um, Looking at the role that Stones plays for City, should we almost be looking for a midfielder that can do what John Stones does? Is, Is that almost the unspoken thing that we didn't quite get in the summer with Nunes and with Kovacic because they're so different to to Stones. Um, yeah, like how, how do you view a potential January dip into the market? I, I, I don't think there are many midfielders that can do that, to be honest. I think they're kind of like unicorns. I think Stones is one. I think the other one, to me, is probably Declan Rice. That's probably why they were so interested in him in the summer. 
I, I don't think there are th- that many other players that can do that that John Stones role. To be honest, I think it's very difficult to do that. Um, like I don't think Calvin Phillips can do it. Um, for example, <laughs> um, it'd be great to get that, but I think realistically, City they just need to they need to cover another body if if Phillips is to go. Um, I do think it's really difficult though about what characteristics they go for because mm, that's sort of my question. Yeah, whether they, I think it's, do they go for someone who's a six or do they go for someone who's an eight? I mean, I think you can make an argument either way, to be honest. You know, Phillips is in the squad as a six, but he doesn't play. So I think that kind of gives you license to go, actually, where best do we need cover? I think you can make the argument for six by saying, look, when Rodri was out, you know, we basically shut the bed um, and there's, there's no one that can play there really and probably the one who who can and obviously did the other night is stones and, and he's injured so i think you could certainly make that argument equally though i think you could argue that we are short as like a proper attacking creative eight um and actually the, the squad would be better kind of filled from having someone uh who could kind of provide a bit more of that thrust in the middle and that creativity that we have been missing with de Bruyne being out so I think it's I think it's really tough. I think the most important thing is that they they bring someone in. Um if I if I was pushed, I've really flip-flopped on it. I think the big signing for the summer is probably number 8. So maybe they go and try and replace Phillips characteristics more cut and dry and mm. try and get a 6. But it's January, isn't it? I think you're you're, you're it's going to be more dictated by what's available to you than what exactly you want. George, yeah, I think it's, I think January is, is is a tough place to go about trying to get cover for for John Stones. I think, as Lloyd says, the players like him are like unicorns, and I think what makes them unique is not just their tactical and technical ability; it's also that physicality that they have, which enables them to drop into the back line and make a traditional back four when needed and when you're under the cosh or maybe when you're protecting a lead and Rice obviously is a player similar to that and like Lloyd said that's why we were after him that's probably the main reason because he was the only player that maybe the board could see that could you know fill in for John Stones and even Rodri Um, I don't know how much I I, now looking back I subscribe to maybe he was going to be more advanced on Rice under Guardiola I think he definitely would have been dropping back further and deeper I think that was must have been the the vision for him but I I guess it's something that that you've said a few times Asan on on the pods if you're going to looking at a kind of defender midfield hybrid it's somebody who doesn't have that physicality who's probably the, the more obvious choice and it's just how is he available and how much would it cost in Joshua Kimmich really and we all know t- tactically and technically he will understand everything Pep wants him to do. Um, it's just, will it be the same as having John Stones there due to the fact, you know, John's a much bigger guy and mm. ha- is used to playing it, can drop into the centre-back role when needed in a match and Kimmich obviously won't do that. He'd more likely drop into the right-back role and that would then mean maybe a shift across into centre-back from... If Walker's playing Walker or or a Kanji, yeah, I mean, 
I, I almost feel as though that that's my point of view on it is that I, I think Kimmich is probably the one player out there that I kind of look because I, I almost feel like it, it's not a it's not a it's not a position or it's not a role where I want to go and buy a kid or a project and go all right let's see how he develops in the next three or four years I think it's so important it, it has become so important in terms of our sort of tactical both flexibility and also stability um, that you almost need a player who's got the requisite experience. And so Kimmich is the obvious one. Uh, the question of whether Bayern do business in, in January, I, I actually, I think that for, for the right money, they probably would because it feels as though there is a little bit of an awkward fit there with him and, and Tuchel. Um, but equally, I don't think that City would be prepared to go and like city just like they, they like to haggle over everything. And I, and I can't see them putting themselves in a position uh, where they go into the market in January for a player like that, even though I'd personally love for them to do that. I just think that they'll look at it and go, well, we'll have to pay over the odds to buy Kimmich in January. And we're not prepared to do that. Um, but then the, tr the truth is that the same will apply whether you go to Eze who signed a new contract or you, you go back for Pakatar if the the whole betting thing gets cleared up. Like I think I what I think the club should be a bit more cognizant of is there's very few bargains to be had out there in the market and particularly if you're looking at players of a certain pedigree you have to accept the fact that you're man city whether you go in january or you go in the summer people are always going to want to have your pants down the reality is they were they'd up, they'd bid upwards of 80 million for pakatar and if i'd have said 12 months ago city you're going to bid 80 million for pakatar everybody would have laughed me out of the room and gone they'd never pay that much because he's not worth that so in the end you do have to pay the money so Let's see how, let's see how the next few weeks unfold. A, a, a connected question, I guess, that Lloyd, I'll throw to you, and then to um, and then to George. Uh, are we a little bit quick uh, in writing off Kovacic and Nunes? In just in so far as I almost feel as though subconsciously we've all decided, well, those two aren't it, so we need to go and buy another centre midfield player. Um, Whereas actually they've not played very much for City, and in for me they're that they they have the potential in the next six weeks between now and the first of January to make mugs of all of us by playing lots of football and having impacts in games. I think, for example, you look at the midweek game against against Young Boys, and and genuinely, I think I think Kovacic was excellent. I think Nunes. I've seen his his performance did divide opinion, but I can see the positives in his game. And you throw Rico Lewis in at that mix, and fine, like young boys aren't the best team in the world. But I guess my point is that ninety percent of the games that City will play will not be playing Liverpool at Anfield or you know Chelsea at Stamford Bridge or Real Madrid away. The the majority of games that you're going to end up playing are against teams who have less quality than you. And so are we being a bit quick and quick in writing those two players off, Floyd? Well, I'm certainly not because I haven't. Okay. Um, but I know I, I do know what you mean. There seems to be a little bit of that sentiment kind of online from, from City fans. I, I'd say more towards Nunes than Kovacic um, from what I can see. 
Um, and I'd say I feel similarly on that. I think Kovacic I'm, I'm very comfortable with. I think you've already seen in a few performances what we're going to get. I expect he'll improve a bit. Um, but, you know, he's 29. I think, you know, we knew what we were buying there and that was literally the reason behind the purchase. And, for example, I thought he was was really good uh, the other day um, and showed that kind of ability to to break through the lines and carry the ball and then give it at the right time. So that was very positive. The the jury for me is still a bit out on Nunes, but it's massively early days. So, you know, I, I, I'm really not losing sleep over it. Um, but, you know, those two aside, I still think there's a space in the squad for another player, you know. Um, that's that's literally the, the position that Phillips takes up and it still means that Rodri plays a hell of a lot of football. So... I think I think there's still a position there. No, but that's um, the question. I'm sorry not to cut you off, but that's sort of the question that I'm asking you: is that are we a little bit overlooking the idea that they've bought Kovacic and Nunes as a pair, almost to go well? The way that we rest Rodri is we play these two as a pair. Mm, I think what every game play them together. No, but more the idea... I mean, look, so we know Rodri's got a really good fitness record. So we know that in the main, he's going to be fit and available most match weeks. You're not going to be resting him for even 30% of the Premier League games that you've got because that's just not... That's not sensible and that's not how it works. I think the reality is that out of a 38-game season, at a push... You might be looking at five Prem games at a push where you he's fit and available and you potentially go, all right, well, we'll rest him today. In those games, I think Kovacic and, and the argument I'm making is Kovacic and Nunes actually should be enough. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I agree they should. I, I think ideally it would be more than five games, by the way. I think it'd be more like 10. Um, but yeah. But I think it's more, to me, it seemed more like Kovacic is going to be the one that plays when Rodri doesn't. And obviously the other night it was with Stones holding his hand next to him. Um, Nunes, I've still not fully worked out. The reason I'm a bit more unsure on whether Nunes is that replacement guy, I've not really worked out where they want to play him yet. It seems to me like they know where they want to play Kovacic, which is either in that Rodri position um, or occasionally um, when he's played next to him. Whereas Nunes, I've not really w- worked out exactly where on the p- pitch Nunes has been playing yet because it's it's changed from from game to game and he's obviously not played that much. So, so yeah, it's difficult. I I, I do I, I do think it's wrong for people to to rule those two out though. It's still mm. massively early days, and to be honest, they're probably being damaged by the fact that Guardiola and Doku have just absolutely hit the ground running and we as fans know exactly already what they give to the squad. George, um, just very briefly, your thoughts on the idea of almost, I guess what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way is, do we forget about replacing Calvin Phillips with a squad playing specialist number six and begin to look at Kovacic and Nunes along coupled with Rico Lewis, who we're going to talk about in a minute when we talk about the two games from the past week, those three could actually do that job just fine. 
That was definitely the idea, I think, when City signed both of them to play them maybe as the pair. But I think what we've seen over the first few weeks of the season is is that Nunes hasn't really often been deployed in a very defensive way. I think he's often pushing up the pitch more and being used as the driving force through the middle to try and like dribble through. And I think he was doing that quite well against young boys and maybe taking up more of an atta- attacking space. I felt like his spaces he was playing in against young boys was almost where we would have had KDB playing, actually. Mm. And um, and I think maybe that's why the frustrations come from some fans as they expect the player playing in like a KDB role to be De Bruyne's levels. And we all know that's just not going to be the case of A, a young player or B, any kind of player really because of how special De Bruyne is. And um and I think the, Nunes has got something there in that role, driving through the middle of the park. He's got a great long shot on him. I think the thing that he needs to improve on for the fans to really buy into him in an attacking sense is probably his, his, his final his final ball and his decision making. I think he's um, he's a, some of his play, and I think just overall he ha- he has a bit of immaturity around his game, and I, and I think that's only natural for a lot of young players, and especially ones who've not played at this level before. So I think that will come in time. I think he requires the most patience out of the two, especially from the fan base and from Guardiola. Mm. But I do think that there's a player in there who can play for City. It's just a case of getting him as many minutes as possible to try and develop throughout the season. And I think in terms of resting Rodri, I think it would be Kovacic will be, will be the guy. And I'm just, I'm just not convinced they'll play him and Nunes together. I think, it would have been without Stones' injury. Would have been Stones, but maybe, maybe he'll try an Akanji Kovacic thing. I know it's sometimes a bit clunky and awkward when Akanji's playing in the kind of the Stones role, but he seems to be somebody who Guardiola trusts more than any of the other defenders to do it. And maybe Kovacic, Rico Lewis, but. I guess the thing you lose when you play Kovacic and Rico Lewis is kind of the physicality and the high aspect in that role, which is quite important, especially if you're against a very physical long ball team. Mm. But you've got loads so, of giants in the bat line, though. I mean, you do. we're, we're you effectively do. playing four centre-backs. If we're playing Walker, Akanji, Diaz, and then Gvardiol, I mean, you're basically playing four centre-backs across the back. So I, yeah, I'm, I think, I, go on. Yeah, I think I think that is something to consider. But it's just the way that Guardiola has been evolving this this last few years. He he seems to like six or seven real big players, <laughs> doesn't he? At the minute he's he's it's kind of like in Joe Space Jam when they uh, when when they turn into those aliens. That's kind of that's kind of how I see the evolution of Guardiola's um, team. These these gigantic um, you know football freaks who are so good on the ball yet so imposing to the other side, but. Um, but I think I would, I, the one I would like to see is the Kovacic, Rico, Lewis, and the defensive aspect. Obviously, like I said, I have questions around how they'll deal safe against a very physical long ball team. But mm. I think technically and positionally, and the discipline of those two in that role will will be pretty cool. Mm, absolutely. Um, so look, it's obviously been a good week in terms of performances. Uh, if you look at if you look at putting six past Bournemouth and then three against young boys on, on Tuesday. Lloyd, uh, do, do you feel the performances are, are beginning to go up a level? I mean, I certainly, I, I saw the stat 
that City are top of the league, scored the most goals and conceded the least. Um, and that's in a moment, in a season so far where most people would be like, oh, City haven't really been at their best. So do we look like we're getting back to our best? Yeah, I feel like we've begun to hit our straps a little bit in the in these last kind of, I'd say like four games, to be honest. So mm. include the derby. Um, also, interestingly, in three of those four games, Haaland scored a brace. So he scored six goals across the four. And obviously against Bournemouth, he had to come off at halftime with a bit of a knock. So he, he's looking to hit a little bit more form, even though I still don't think he's, he's at his best, is he? I think we'd all acknowledge that. But a goal like the one he scored against Young Boys, you know, that's the kind of thing that's going to give him confidence, the second one. Um, we've obviously missed Kev. And I think the team have been trying to figure it out how to play with him this season. And Alvarez has probably been the one player that's really emerged and kind of taken the bat on from De Bruyne, which, you know, I don't think it's something that I'd have expected at the beginning of the season, to be honest. Um, you know, I had I had genuine reservations about him playing in that position and like, I, you know, thought he wasn't great in the Fulham game and the Noisy Boys definitely let us know how they felt about that. Um but he's done really well, and yeah, we we are beginning. I feel to hit a bit of a hit a bit of a run, which is well timed given the fixtures we've we've got coming up. Um, and the, the key, I think, the other night was keeping the clean sheet because that's something that we de- we haven't done in that in that run generally. Um, and we have leaked just a bit of a sloppy goal in a lot of games, which it would just be really nice to to get rid of because there, there will be games now in this run where actually if you give away a sloppy goal, it, it it could damage you and it could mean that you don't get the three points. So definitely trending in the right way. And to have had the players, like more players back and be able to kind of rotate a little bit game to game has definitely been a factor as well, I think. George, uh, obviously Doku had both a standout game against Bournemouth and then a standout cameo uh, against Young Boys where he completed the most dribbles ever known to man in 10 minutes or something like that. The stat is wild, whatever it is. Um, do you think Do you think a little bit that's been key to, to the kind of overall arc of the season in terms of performances is the performances of... I would I would pick out Doku and Foden this week and go those two have 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 really looked a cut above and that's been sort of key to if you look if you go back to earlier in the season conversations around creativity you feel as though if Doku and Foden are at their le- at the level they've been at this week we won't have those problems do you think that's fair Yeah yeah I think kind of goes back to what you and Lloyd were just speaking about then about the level of opposition I think in these games kind of we're expected to win and if we didn't it would be a calamity when there's a, that little bit of pressure taken off it you you're looking for something to kind of excite you in the game and you're looking for something to really set the tempo and i think doku did that brilliantly against bournemouth and then foden equally against young boys just every time they got the ball it was so positive so direct very creative Selfish in the right moments, unselfish in the right moments, and I think, I think especially especially Doc against Bournemouth, I'm still I'm still just smile every time I think about that game. Just those dribbles and the the one where he he kind of you know 
twisted the uh, defender um, <laughs> inside out. I think he must have given him a gastric band. The amount he twisted that guy <laughs> in in half. It's um, it was it was crazy. I, and everyone just looking at each other in the stadium, just like flabbergasted with this like stupid smiles on our faces because you know it's the kind of player we've not we've not we've not had maybe since the early Leroy days and um, and even then. Leroy was maybe a slightly different kind of player and didn't have the um didn't have this kind of um confidence and um maturity was gained that Doku already seems to have. And I think Foden showed in the in the week that, you know, he's a he he is a proper serious player and th- this season is um he's he's really trying to up the ante and um prove a point really, I think. Yeah. Lloyd, do you think that um, City fans are too critical of Phil? 100%. I actually, um, I mean, shock me and you agree on that. Um, but I I did think after the midweek game against Young Boys, I was like, there's very little discourse around how good Phil was and how important he was in that game. And I genuinely thought, you know what? Like, I'm not going to tweet anything because, like... I'm you know, be, I'll do it. <laughs> well, partly, but I was like, I don't want to be the only guy in the woods just screaming and no one hears, hears the trees fall. I was just like, I'll just have a look. And then I, I really didn't see much about it. There was a lot of chat about, um, you know, Kovacic. There was chat about, you know, people were a bit angry at Nunes. But actually, if you look at a lot of the games, a lot of our key games this season, Phil's, been the one that's broken the game open so like the Newcastle game at home I think is probably the best example that was you know probably his best performance of the season um but the other night I mean that that dribble that goal Grealish's pass got more headlines than Foden's goal did which is probably what prompted me to tweet what I tweeted because I just found that like mad like you know I'm sorry but no matter what anybody thinks, the pass that Grealish makes is just a regular pass. If he doesn't make that pass, I think we're all sat there going, how have you not made that pass? It's it's basically, for a player at his level, it's straightforward. Now, what Phil does next is next level. Mm, 100%. I, I didn't think about it like that, but that's. I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. And what Phil does as well reminded me a bit of that goal. wasn't as good but of that goal against Newcastle last season where, yes. where he got the ball on the wing, beat a few more players that time. Yeah. Similar kind of goal, but it went went the other side of the post and took a little like mini deflection against Nick Pope, didn't it? But that was the one nil goal as well in that game and broke mm. the game open. But yeah, I think I think Phil's if you if you were to, I think it, as well, if you were to look like statistically at, at Phil's kind of output this season versus some of our other players, I think he'd be he'd be right up there. Um, but even with the eye test, he's he's been the one often that that has got us through. But you know he's had a bad game like at Wolves away or whatever. So he's often it's felt like in in certain games when we haven't performed, he's been the one to get all the criticism as opposed to some of the other players. So I do think there is that pattern. I think he'll you know I think quietly he's having his maturest season so far. Uh, in that you kind of look at his his all-round game and it's it's just it's a lot less um hot-headed 
for want of a better phrase. Like, you know, they the 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 cliche that Pep always uses is that, you know, Phil is so aggressive in every action and every time he gets the ball, he wants to go forward and he wants to pass forwards and he's got to learn when to do that and when not to do that. Well, respectfully, I think he's shown this season that he knows how to play backwards and he knows how to slow the game down as much as he knows how to speed a game up. So th- that that sort of maturity to his game, adding that maturity to his game, uh, is just going to, I think, make him... I think come the end of the season, we'll be having conversations about whether Phil is our player of the season because I can see month on month that he's going to just progress because you can see slowly the impact that he's having week on week. I mean, what is that, like four goals in four games or something like that? I think he's he's certainly heading in 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 the direction of being a a player who will at the end of the season be in with a shout for that. Um, right, George qualified from the group stage. It's not one, but you know, two games left, and we've qualified. Happy. I, I've never really thought about this. Uh, I, I always I, I've always looked at finishing first or second as oh well, it doesn't really matter because you know there's top teams that finish first and there's top teams that finish second, so you could get a difficult tie either way. But actually, Pep made the point, which of course is that if you win your group, you get your second leg of the uh, round of sixteen game at home, which I think that is, oh, is big that advantage. confirmed. I didn't know. Yeah. Oh. Yep. So. I think that does put a little bit of it does it does give those last two games something of a bit of added spice. But do you still like how how do you approach those two games? For you, are they just like you just focus on the prem games, or do you think no? We got we. I think Leipzig is the last game, and ultimately, I think that's the one that you've got to look at and go. A point there is probably the one that gets us top because it goes to head to head. Um, so yeah, so what, what's your vibe? Um, I, th- I think, I think we've got, is it, is it Leipzig? We've got a home first and then the last game is, um, yeah, that's right. then the last game is, is Red Star on like, ah, my apologies. away. So, so I think, I think the foot, this first, the, the next match against Leipzig, I think he will take very seriously. I think I've, we've seen, we've seen from Pep in this competition, he, he treats, he treats the group stage with a lot of respect and He'll want that first place, as as you say. Getting being having the home leg at home in the round of sixteen is so important, especially if you get drawn against a vet, a, a top side. It we should we we sh- it showed how important it was last year in the running for us when we um, you know when we went to Real Madrid. I know it wasn't in the last sixteen, but when we went to Real Madrid away, tough game, one all at the Bernabeu, and then what happened at the Etihad when the when the whole crowd and the stadium and everyone was behind the team. You know, it can it can give you the edge. So, I think he'll take it very very seriously. The Leipzig game, and then if that's won, I think then the the final match against Red Star, where which will just be kind of a a minutes and a run out game because we'll have secured first. I think then he'll massively rotate the team. But I think we'll see a pretty strong side against Leipzig. You know, the likes of Haaland, um, Foden. Diaz, you know, Edison, I think it'll be pretty full strength. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I mean, I, 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 Howard put in the notes, Lloyd, just very quickly. I'm not sure I agree with this. Howard's vibe is that, like, you know, the knockout stages have, have just become, like, really dull and just not interesting at all. Um, 
I, personally, I, I do think that we a little bit by viewing it like that, we a little bit underestimate. I think we 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 don't give ourselves enough credit in terms of just how good we are. It's not necessarily that the group stages are terrible and and the other teams are terrible. It's more just how good City are and how professional they are. Um, what how do you, how do you view the the group stage? Does it bore you or does it excite you? I wouldn't say it excites me, but there are definitely interesting things to come out of it. So, you know, I think some of Doku's performances in the Champions League this season have been, have been, you know, great. Uh, like Kovacic the other night, I thought was brilliant. Gvardiol, again, in some of the games has been really good. Oscar Bob's come on and like had a bit of an impact in a couple of games. So there are still a lot of kind of interesting aspects and narratives you can get out of the games. But I, I know what Howard means. Like generally the game, you know, the the group stage is a bit of a formality in that we will qualify uh, and there's not much jeopardy um and we but you know this of all seasons i think is the season that it's great to have had like a bit of an easier group and be able to you know now know in these two games that we're we're through and yeah i agree with george pep will play what will look like a strong team against leipzig but i think again away against red star it's in between a few tricky games on in December. I do think we'll see, you know, I think like Oscar Bob will probably start that game. You could even see Calvin Phillips start that game. Um but that that in a way is great. Um so yeah, I'd I'd fall in between the two. I mean it's not you know that it, it's not really exciting, is it, when we slap young boys like that and they don't even do they even have a shot? I think they didn't No, have they a didn't shot. they didn't have a shot or a corner. Yeah. So I mean, come on, that's not that exciting, is it, to be fair? No, but um, I, I, I take—I guess I take your point, but I, I do, and the point you made before, I think is where I land, which is that actually, because you've got a, a squad where there's four or five players who you want to see given opportunities to develop in the team, like Rico Lewis and his performance in midweek and just like how mature he looks and how every time he takes the pitch, you feel like he's getting a little bit better. He needs those minutes basically to improve. And so having, being able to yeah. do that in the Champions League, I think is, uh, is huge. Sorry, I, I, missed, um, I, I missed him out. He's probably been, he's probably been the like, the key kind of emergence of a player hasn't he this season from the Champions League games absolutely sorry George what were you going to say I think it's also the kind of excitement around the group stage is is down to the draw as well which is ultimately a a luck thing I think last season when we had Dortmund I think you know those games were brilliant and I was really excited for them especially the home match with you know that Haaland um, the Haaland winner and stuff and then the season before when we had PSG in the groups and that was another come from behind win, a great atmosphere. Um, and, you know, I was really excited going into the matches. I think that plays a massive part as well. I think when you don't get another real, real big team drawn in, in your group, I think that makes it kind of quells everybody's excitement and makes it seem like if you don't win all your games, it's it's disappointing, which is a, a mad expectation for a Champions League group stage. But I guess that's kind of the level that we're 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 at now and the level that we're viewed at. Um but yeah, I think I think there is still some excitement in the group stages. It just kind of it, it really does depend on which which teams are in your group at this at this stage. Fair. Um, right, gentlemen, uh, we are going to take a little break now and listen to Mr. Howard Hawking, Hawking talking to Chelsea fan Dan, and then we will come back and preview that big game. Here's Howard. 
Uh, delighted to be joined by Chelsea fan Dan. Uh, good afternoon, Dan. How are you? I'm good, Howard. Good to be here again. Yeah, we've well. <laughs> I've put in my uh, my first point in the in the notes that normally we have an opposition fan on, and questions are fairly generic. Uh, with Chelsea I don't know where to start so yeah it's good to have you here I would say we always try and keep these under 20 minutes but with Chelsea there's always a lot to talk about so (laughs) in under 2,000 words how do you sum up the last couple of years at the club (laughs) even this week it's been crazy so but we'll get to that Spurs as well don't worry you could probably talk for about 10 minutes just about the Spurs game really yeah um... I'd be happy to as well yeah (laughs) no it's been obviously it's a cliche but it's been a roller coaster couple of years with the sanctions um and then the the clear lake takeover um but i do feel now this season in particular it's the first time i felt like i can see a, an actual vision for the future um sort of bringing in young players with potential rather than sort of the scattergun approach we had before of bringing in more established players than younger players but i think now we're Looking a bit more stable, um, despite all the change and just building around Pochettino and his his system, his four two three one. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 the most positive I've been in the in the last two years. That's for sure. <laughs> well, yeah, with all that's happened, though, how how do you even attempt to measure expectations for Chelsea? This, I mean, have you got an idea in your head how well Chelsea should do be doing right now or this season as a whole? Do you have expectations? I mean, you know, I think a lot of opposition fans would, would look at the amount of money that's being spent and, and think, yeah. you know, you need to be challenging. But I mean, it's so clear that how far away um, the team are from that right now. I think the most ambitious we can be and most sen- sensible kind of target should be um, fifth place. Um, just with, you know, the the new format next season in the Champions League. So mm. if the, the English teams perform well enough, and the coefficient is high enough, we, we will get that extra spot. So I think that's I think that's what the club will be hoping for. And, you know, we're currently sitting seven points behind Villa in fifth. So given it's only really been quarter of the season, just over, gone, that should be the target, I think, just to build on what we've done so far and, and string a good, you know, run of results together and sort of mm. put pressure on those teams above us. But whether that's going to happen is remains to be seen with, with performances like uh, Monday night. <laughs> United are going to kill that coefficient, aren't they, for us? Yeah. For that fifth I, place. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm supporting City in the Champions League once again because we, we, need, we need to hold that coefficient. Yeah. Oh, let's talk about Monday night then. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Is that... Like, is that the most ridiculous 90 minutes of football you've seen? I say 90 minutes, 110 minutes, possibly. Five five disallowed goals, am I right? I mean... I think that, it was. That's barely the main talking point, is it? The five disallowed goals. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite funny from a Chelsea point of view that I think, obviously, that's our best result of the season. But I'd say, arguably, one of our very worst performances in terms of how we came away from the game and and sort of the, the attacking performance that we put in in, in the second half. Um, I mean, only Chelsea could win four one away at our biggest rivals and and come mm. away feeling like that was actually a disappointing performance. But 
Well, so you were I'm... disappointed at full time, yeah? Oh, of course. I have put I'll... in the notes. Did the match uh, show up still some flaws in Chelsea? Were you happy? So, I mean, of course, I was absolutely delighted with the result, but I yeah. don't think Pochettino will be happy at all with <laughs> with the performance. And we made extremely, extremely hard work of breaking down that, those nine players. Well, I mean, I, I think you know, if that had been City or Arsenal or, or a more fluent team. Um, uh, that that would have been eight or nine. The way that Spurs were were keeping that high line, um, the only I don't know mitigating sort of factors I can say is that it's I guess it's extremely novel and sort of rare situation when you're when you're playing against sort of nine mm-hmm. players standing on the halfway line, um, and <laughs> I, it almost was you're kind of watching the players try and work out on the job how to how to break through it and it, it just took us I thought uh, way too long really it was mm. I think obviously Raheem who finally made the run in behind to um then pass on to Jackson to to get the the um the 2-1 but I think I think a lot of neutral fans would have sort of judged Chelsea quite negatively just by the lack of fluency in in breaking down that that nine nine man spurs as you say, the Chelsea players are probably confused that like, why on earth are they all stood on the halfway line when they've yeah. had two players sent off? They probably took them ten minutes to like, is this actually happening for some? Yeah, I found it's it weird that Buster Cogley was absolutely praised to high heavens after that match for employing a suicidal tactic. I just found it. I mean, I loved. I really liked the bloke, but still, that was just bizarre. <laughs> it, it was bizarre. Brilliant entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, just I think we'll mention Jackson, but that's got to be yeah. one of the worst hat trick performances I've ever oh, seen. Just the, absolutely, yeah. The timing of his runs was just atrocious. Kept going early, um, kept calling for the balls from offside positions. I mean, it was just, yeah, it was it was quite comical, but an incredible watch, and like as you know, a bit of a cliche, but a great advert for the league, I guess. But um, absolute chaos. What? What's your views on Jackson? I assume he's got, I know he had five yellow cards after five games. He's got five goals now. So I assume he's still ahead on yellow cards compared to goals. Um, yeah. Well, I think he picked oh, one up on, on, on Monday. So obviously yeah. he's at least got six. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your views on him? I mean, he was looking pretty lively in pre-season once, but, and he's not really, he shouldn't be brought in to be, you know, like Hoyland at United, you, you don't bring up a, a young player and then put all the weight on their shoulders. But it's been a strange start to him. Do you see, do you see the potential there for him to become a, a, t- a top player at Chelsea? I mean, I, th- I think he's got all the attributes you need in terms of the physicality, the the tenacity on the ball. And we have seen like flash flashes of brilliance. Um a goal against he scored against Burnley was was quite well taken, mm. uh, but I think you you put you know um, you're bang on with what you just said there. He wasn't brought in with the intention for him to be leading the line like this, and it all comes back to that really unfortunate injury to Christopher and Kunku in pre season. I, I, I think a return that, date for him, yeah. Or? Well, I think the, the it's positive news in, in on that side of things because the last I heard was they potentially looking at a return after the international break. So we've got Newcastle away. Oh, right. um, but obviously they're going to bring him back very slowly and be extremely careful. Um, but I, I think what they would have had in mind is Jackson playing a much more supporting role. Yeah. With Nkunku often, you know, 
uh, playing in that false nine role for Leipzig. I think that would have been the intention for, for Poch. And then then with, with uh, Jackson coming in, playing a sort of more uh, bit part role and learning his trade. And I think with Nkunku coming back, we'll see Jackson sort of, there'll be a lot less pressure on Jackson. And I think that he'll benefit from that because he's been asked to do an awful lot for a player of his experience. Yeah, before we talk City old boys, let's talk about uh, manager Pochettino. What's your views on him? Do you do you see that philosophy coming through? I mean, you hinted at it earlier. You, you begin to see things take shape now with this team and see you know much better results in a brighter future and a, a settled eleven. Yeah. Basically, I, I think. I mean, the direct comparison is with Graham Potter, and I can see a definitely a, a much more defined attacking philosophy on, under Poch with his four-two-three-one. You know, pressing from the front. I mean, I think you saw that against Arsenal with mm. with Cole Gallagher, um, sort of playing in sort of two false nine roles, keeping them sort of penned in, and and that, that that's something that's really pleasing to see. Um, and I think generally our performances have been good, apart from <laughs> obviously Monday night was was a bit of a, uh, a a weird one. But generally, we we won games on expected goals, just been unable to to take the chances um, and you've got to hope with some or more of the senior players coming back from injury, James and Kunku, that we're going to be slightly more clinical in the second half of the season. So I, I'm, I'm pleased with Poch. He's also, the way he gets his arm around the young players, given the experience of the squad, given like the, the inexperience, um, I think he's probably the perfect manager for, for this stage of, of the project in inverted, co- um, inverted commas. So I, I think... I'm happy. And, and I don't think there's any appetite. I mean, I think, yeah, in terms of losing his job, uh, I, I don't think there's the club have any appetite to pay off another manager after no. the three we went through last season. Um, and I think there's a realisation that given the amount of uh, sort of churn in player in, in, in the squad and the number of new players, it's, it's going to take time. So I think they'll review so, at the end of the season. Yeah. So you but, don't think he's uh, under pressure to get Say Champions League football, or a, he doesn't have a, he hasn't been given a certain goal. I, I don't. I, I think if he if he finishes in the top eight or nine, I don't, I don't think there'll be any pressure. And and even if yeah. he finishes lower than that, I, I I just think this isn't the Abramovich era. Um, there's that expectation of instant, instant success isn't isn't there. Um, and give yeah, just given the, the amount of youth in the squad, it would be unrealistic. Um, for that to be the case so I, I, I believe and I hope that they're going to give him time um, but obviously it's Chelsea so nothing's nothing's a given yeah anything could happen probably will perhaps <laughs> and uh, for the, the third time on this podcast in the last few weeks I'm going to with incredulity uh, mention your start of one home win in 14 home yes. games against Luton I still can't believe that's true but it is do you, it's unbelievable. do you have a real issue at Stamford Bridge still or do you think you're passing it now because of what we've just talked about that things are settling down? Is that a stat that we should assign to history or do you actually have a problem in front of your own fans? No, I think we have a real problem um, if I'm honest with you, Howard. I'm, I, I'm a season to get older and I I missed the Luton game so I haven't seen a home league win <laughs> since, since the 4th of March actually against Leeds so you're a so curse yeah. I'm a curse yeah but I mean 
there's only been one win in that time. So please, like please that. say you're going on Sunday then. Yeah, I'm going on Sunday. So you oh, don't good, have to good. Worry about. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but no, I think there is a real problem. Um, just because I, I think it's it's our inability to break down the low, like a low a low block or a, a team that sits back. The same pattern always always occurs. You have this nervousness amongst the crowd if if a goal isn't scored in the first thirty or forty minutes. Mm. That then diffuses onto the pitch. You can see the players getting nervous. And we've seen that exact pattern this season, you know, against Forest, Villa, Brentford. Brentford. Yeah. I mean, Brentford have won more league games at Stamford Bridge in the last six months than Chelsea, which is uh, it's an absolute joke. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it is a real issue. And I think it's, Poch would like to see probably the crowd be a bit more patient and, and supportive. But I don't know. I, I and I think they have been to a certain extent, but it's just the way it's just the way that that pattern has occurred so many times. The, the fans are almost on edge from the from the first whistle. So I think it's something we really need to to get over. But it's, at the moment, it's still a real problem. Yeah, uh, should point out you're a good friend, Lloyd, and he's sent me <laughs> some what's WhatsApp messages. <laughs> uh, Cole, let's sort Cole Farmer then. Uh, Lowe's yeah. quite insistent I rib you about this because I mean I'm surprised at his development I didn't want him to go because even though we'd not seen much at City you could see that there was something there and he hadn't had his chance so how surprised are you at his performances it's fair to say he's even been your best player this season so you told Lloyd at the time uh, to point out that you signed him that you, you already had too many young players in the squad uh, he only had 19 Premier League appearances and a lack of experience already in the squad. That bringing him in for a lot of money, you know, didn't make that much sense at the time. So, has he totally won you round and surprised you? Yeah, he has. Um, I've got to put my hands up. Uh, Lloyd was right on that one. I was wrong because he's been, yeah, he's been an absolute revelation. Um, I, I mean, I, I profess I haven't seen. I hadn't seen much of Cole Palmer. Uh, yeah. I didn't watch the. Um, England under twenty one um, at the Euros this uh, last summer, so yeah. I, I guess I wasn't quite aware of the talent he has. Um, but and, and looking, you know, he, he has he's already played more minutes, <laughs> Premier League minutes for Chelsea than he did in his entire Man City career, which is yeah. which is crazy. But um, but yeah, I think and I said when you mentioned the fee, forty five million at the time seemed seemed quite a lot, but it's already looking like a bit of a steal. Um, the way he's he's played. Um, so yeah, it's, he's been the biggest positive of this season by quite a long distance, I'd say. Biggest positive? Has he actually been the best? You know, forget age, experience, whatever. Has he been the best player, or is, is that someone yeah. else that would fit that? Kind no, of I think he's. I think he is the best player. I mean, so he, we've sort of depl- deployed him on on the right in that sort of creative um, line in the four two three one. Um, but it's been pretty fluid. He's been drifting in, receiving balls on the half turn, sort of progressing it into the final third. And he just looks like he has a sense of maturity and, and calmness that we just, mm. if you look at Rodrik, Madweke, they're all talented players with a lot of promise, but they don't have that that maturity. That um, And he's he's genuinely, I, w- I would say, our most reliable attacking option at the moment. It's sort of, he's, he's basically, I don't know, he's a baby De Bruyne. He's, just, he's an absolute revelation. Obviously, mm. it's early days, but we're obviously incredibly happy with that that deal. I mean, and, how how do you feel as a City fan? It, obviously, 
you're, you're operating at an elite level, so there's so much competition for gutted. those spots. But you're, you're gutted. Because he's a I local lad. I was gutted when he left, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I understand how he, I understand why he left. Yeah, he wasn't getting a game time, and you know we won the treble last season. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> criticizing Pep Guardiola for his decisions uh, is just a yeah ridiculous thing to do. He could have got a bit more game time. He wanted to leave, and Pep's the policy is always the same: player wants to leave, he leaves. He's allowed to yeah. leave. So it is what it is. I. Th- I- I don't know. It's, you know. it's when when you've got a player of that ability. Even the City fans, I'd not seen enough of him either. And he hadn't really done it at City, but he hadn't been given proper game time. I could see what was there. And of course, he's come right through the academy. It just makes it a bit more goal. You know, if he was yeah. a Spanish player who was sold and then he went on to be do well, I'd be very disappointed. I don't like us because we normally get this stuff right. But yeah. I'm just, yeah, just in the end, just it's a shame, basically. It's a shame that he didn't get the chance to do this at City. But, you know, City yeah. will be fine without him. Uh, but yeah. he is go, he is going right to the top, I think. Yeah, the fact he's even taking penalties for you as well, it just shows. Yeah, it's, 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 it was probably the right move for everyone in a way, but that doesn't mean I'm comfortable about it, let's put it that way. So. No, understood. As a Chelsea fan, I know what it's like to sort of, watch academy players succeeding elsewhere so no I I completely understand what do you think of Hall going then to Newcastle I mean surprised me big time the thing is yeah I guess he just had a very that left left side I mean with Chilwell who's now injured and other players like Martson and Kukurea it's it's and, and I mean, it's going to be very difficult for him to break into the side. Yeah. So he's also a Newcastle fan. So it's kind of it felt like his heart was 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 in hindsight, really. But oh, yeah, it's Livermento on the right as well. I mean, it's, if you if you spend a lot of money on your academy, there's going to be academy yeah. products who excel, and you're not going to be able to fit them all into your team. So I think yeah. you just have to accept that. But yeah, they're doing incredibly well up well, at Newcastle. If Kalpar was still at City. I'm guessing he won't be getting that much game time. So. No, nah, exactly. And that's the thing. Yeah. So I think you're right. It was the right move yeah. for both parties, but a shame for, for the for the Manchester nation. <laughs> and speaking of uh, City players, Raheem Sterling, uh, Monday night, and I've seen quite a lot of Chelsea this season. I would say he's not changed. <laughs> uh, good, bad, frustration, brilliance. It's yeah. Raheem Sterling all over. How, how's he done at Chelsea? You might have to ignore the first season, perhaps. And how do fans view him exactly the way City fans did? I think so. I think um, his performances have definitely picked up a bit this season. Like he's yeah, he's been our best player in in quite a few games. I think Luton, Burnley, he played very well. Um, generally, his 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 level has improved. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm probably t- telling you things you already know but it's just the the decision making and the the hesitancy he has in front of goal can sometimes be just so infuriating i mean i don't know if you remember in the in the spurs game for the udogi second yellow when we're breaking up three on two um just got to slide it to to jackson or or the player on the on the, on the left and he just cuts inside um ends up getting tackled and udogi gets sent off but it was just like mm. such poor decision making so i, I think does he split the fan base then? Because he did. He there was some that never gave him any time, and yet the stats and obviously he's so brilliant at so many things. But the, 
people, you know, visual things, you know, like missing from two yards. They they pick yeah. up on that thing sometimes. A lot of these chances don't wouldn't happen if he's not on the pitch. Exactly. And yet some of the misses won't even if he's on the pitch. So what does he split the fan base at all or are they generally supportive of him? I think people are, fans have been much more supportive this season because we have seen him turn it up a gear. But yeah. There will be, he's he's the kind of player who, if he misses a chance or if he, he makes a bad decision on the pitch, it does, you do hear a groan from the crowd and it's, mm. they they can get on his back. I always try and just be as supportive as possible, but <laughs> he can be an incredibly frustrating player to watch. And as, as our, really our most senior player, our top earner, you do, you're hoping to get a more consistent return for, from him. So I'm I'm hoping he kicks on and we start to see those bigger performances in, in bigger high ticket games, for example, Sunday. Anyway, <laughs> I knew we could have talked for three hours. We've got to 20 minutes and I've not even discussed the game on Sunday yet. So <laughs> very briefly, because I don't want to keep you for too long. Uh, no worries. Yeah, the game on Sunday is an intriguing one. Do you have an idea? Will Pochettino, do you think, pick this similar sort of team as he has in recent games? I, I, how are you like? Is there any way of knowing how you'll line up? There is no way to know. Um, and Jackson's performance or the fact he got a hat-trick, kind of maybe he'll keep him in. But my, my gut feeling would have been before that that he'll use a very similar approach to the one he did against Arsenal. So I think he'll, he, he, that would be no striker. Palmer sort of nominally lined up as a centre-forward, but really yeah. operating on the right side with Gallagher also um, sort of operating, operating as, a, as a false nine. And then with Raheem, um, and and potentially Mudrick on the left, um, but it's it's hard to it's hard to know really, uh, it, especially with yeah with Jackson's performance. But I, I think that'd be the most sensible approach because you know in terms of teams, Arsenal are probably the team we've come up against who play most similarly to City. Um, yeah. So I think playing that sort of dual false nine system could be our best best um, you know chance at getting a result. It's where the potch goes with the, the, the Spurs lineup again following the Jackson goals. Um but we'll see. Is the defence easier to pick? Is Reese James I, coming in, do you think, to start, yeah? Yeah, I think Reese he's played he, he got sixty minutes in the cup against Blackburn and I think it was he, he got seventy against Spurs. So I think he's and nursing him back in from from injury, but I think he'll start and I think it'll be the same back four as we saw against Spurs. So Colwell, Silva, Dizazi and and James. Yeah. How do you see the game playing out then? Are Chelsea being big on possession or are they happy to see it to sit there? I think you're going when you play City you're gonna see you're gonna see the ball. I I'd be shocked if, if, if City don't have more of the ball. Um mm. to be honest, I'm not very I'm not feeling very positive just because of the naive, naive naivety shown against Spurs. I, I think I mean it's gonna be a very different game. I think the pressure will be off Chelsea because everyone will be expecting a City win. So, and, and sometimes we perform well in those in those circumstances. But even against the nine men of Spurs, we, we could have easily conceded a couple of goals towards the end. I was very, very sort of unimpressed by some of the Sazis um, defending, who I'd previously been quite a big fan of. So, I'm coming up against a polished outfit like City, who you know that win against Young Boys last night. Just some of the goals, Harland, I, I, I just. I'm I'm not feeling positive. <laughs> no, John Stone's out though, so which is, that is absolutely something. gutting. Yeah. 
well, three most important players, I would say. But the spine, yeah. yeah. Like your fullbacks, there's always an injury around the corner, always. <laughs> so it is what it is. You get th- you, you get half games in the season out of him, and yeah, you have to exactly. get by. So I mean, you just said Pochettino's safe. There's not much pressure on you, perhaps, but. Do you not think you need the points as much as City with Newcastle, Brighton, and United coming up? I mean, it's only United, but <laughs> Manchester yeah. United that is. But yeah, it's uh, you've got a p- tricky run coming up as well, haven't you? As have City for the record. So. We we definitely need the points, but I mean, I, I think you know City probably need them more. The teams that Chelsea are competing with are going to make mm. more mistakes than the ones that City are in terms of going for the league title. So. I think Pochettino would have looked at the Spurs, Newcastle and, and City games as a, as a three and said, if we can get four or six points, something like that would be, be OK. And then we'll kick on into December. But um, so I, I, I don't think if we lose on Sunday, it's going to be an absolute disaster because I, I think City are hitting a real vein of form right now. And I, I just can't really see us getting a result. So you don't think the recent upturn in performances, if not all the actual... <laughs> results uh, gives you more confidence going into this game? I, I give us a chance. I mean, it, it really depends. I, th- I think, as I said, we often perform better when teams come on to us. Yeah. It's not like we're not playing against the low block. So we might be able to ride out the City attacks, grab a couple on the break. But I, I just, I don't see it personally. Um, I would line up like we did against Arsenal and, and look to be a bit more reactive. But um, yeah, I just think it's going to be an absolutely... Mammoth task. Goalfest, maybe. Uh, I always end with the score <laughs> predictions. So go with your yeah. head or your heart or both. God, I'm, I'm going to have to go with my head on this one. Um, I think it'll be 3 1 City. Wow. See, I'm, I'm the most negative person on this. I think it might be a draw. So You think? Yeah, I mean, which is not know. a disaster for City either. Of course, not a disaster for either. Yeah, just a little. I don't know. I, I we, think. It's not about City. You know, I, I underplay City all the time and they always prove me wrong. But I, I think Chelsea, are, I mean, I, I'm not sure you can make any conclusions from that Spurs game. But it's I true. Just see, I can see you turning a corner and it being a, you know, Stamford Bridge. I know your record's appalling, but I don't think that appalling record really counts so much right now as we go into November. I think it'll be a, a tough game, but a fascinating and exciting one, I think, for the neutrals. There's no way I could see this being a boring game. So I'm going to go two all. So two two. But I hope you're right. So. <laughs> anything can happen now. Anything. Yeah, yeah. I think it is one of those games where anything could happen. And I think that Arsenal game, where yeah, you probably should have won, was a good pointer for that you are capable of uh, winning these big games now but we will see so right time has absolutely defeated us uh, could have talked for another hour so Dan <laughs> thank you very very much for coming on I really appreciate it no worries Hard. always a pleasure yeah and even one at a time to ask you some gossip on Lloyd so maybe next time <laughs> mate <laughs> there is an end uh, yeah and as always after this weekend all the best with the rest of the season so thank you once more and we will go back to the panel now to preview Sunday's big game and we're back. That was Howard chatting to Dan. And now I am going to chat to George and Lloyd about Sunday's game against Chelsea. But very briefly, before we talk about Sunday's game against Chelsea, Lloyd, can we just have a little laugh at Man United? Always here for that. George, a little laugh at Man United? Oh, I can never turn that down. <laughs> 
I, I believe <laughs> I believe the stat is that Copenhagen had never won a Champions League game before the other night. And there you go. Cheers. Ten wow. Top man. Uh, anyway, now back to our regularly uh, scheduled programming. Uh, Sunday, Chelsea. Lloyd, to come at a good time or a bad time? For City? Yeah. I think a good time, actually. Um, Chelsea's results are still not great. Um, I think prior to the other night, they'd only beaten Luton, Burnley and someone else. Not very good. They've obviously... They got a couple of points against Arsenal and then they got the point against Liverpool first game of the season, didn't they? I think of all the games this season, Arsenal, the Arsenal game is the most impressed I've been with Chelsea, even though they didn't get over the line results-wise. But I think even though they won the other night on Monday, which was one of the funniest, most chaotic games I've ever watched in my life, um, they, I don't think they came out of that very well. To be honest, I think they looked really cautious in that second half and it took them far too long to work out how to beat that Spurs team with nine men. Um, there are obviously players that are starting to emerge for them, Cole Palmer probably being the main one, but I still think it's a very fragile Chelsea team and you know, if, if we if we turn up in any sense at the weekend, I think we, we could score quite a few past them. Oh, wow. Okay. George, do you, do you want to give Chelsea a bit more defensive credit, or do you think that they're there for the uh, there for the proverbial taking? I would say I'm maybe slightly more um, pessimistic going into. I'm not feeling pessimistic overall. Just I, I think it will be a, a a tense game because I think they do seem to raise their levels against better opposition from what kind of you've seen so far this season. I think Lloyd mentioned the Arsenal game. I thought they were very, very good then. They just were lacking um, the certain kind of um, end product and bite at times. But I think it, I think it will be a tense game. I think, I think it will be a close scoring game. I don't see us running away with it myself. And Pochettino has got them very, very kind of organised and I think he's they're becoming a bit more disciplined at the back and in and in midfield I think the forward line is where he's having his issues at the moment I think Cole Palmer has emerged as their most creative and threatening player which is interesting as I think most of us thought when he went there that it could be a disastrous move and he could maybe see a few games and then see the bench and fade fade into the background there. So I've been, you know, pleasantly surprised and, and happy for Cole Palmer that he's doing so well there. And obviously there's a narrative there. So he will be one to watch out for because I'm sure he would love to score again or assist or make a, a game-winning play against us just to kind of, you know, prove a point and prove his value and worth. Sterling has kind of been Sterling this season. He's looked great in moments, but Again, his end product has not always been there. And Jackson, he, he looks great one minute, then he looks like he's never played football the next. He's a very, very strange player. Um, so I think, I'm not so worried about the forward line. It's just, I think, us breaking them down, I think they'll make it pretty hard and they'll they'll be on us the entire game. So I'm thinking it's going to be a, a close match. I think, I think Chelsea will come good in the end. I think maybe it will uh, just take a few more months. Mm. Um 
Lloyd, if you were if you were to hazard a guess as to how Pep approaches this, um, do you see a more conservative tactical setup, or do you see a go for the throat type setup from Pep? Yeah, good question. I think probably a bit more conservative, but I think that's going to be because of how. Chelsea set up against Arsenal in particular. I thought the way that they pressed Arsenal in that game and kind of prevented Arsenal from getting the ball to particularly Rice and then progressing it through to to through to the wingers will be something that Pep will have noticed. So Gallagher played a very specific role in that game. Um and we've seen it before you know, when I know De Bruyne is not available, but we've come up against very good side and they've always kind of man-marked De Bruyne. And I expect they'll, there might be a similar approach to say Alvarez at the weekend to try and snuff us out and they put someone on Rodri. So I think we might see a slightly left field selection um, against Chelsea. For example, I wouldn't rule out like Rico Lewis starting in that game. That's something I could see happening um, to try and kind of help us through the game in a, from a possession point of view. So I think with Stones being out, there's a chance that Rico might play um, alongside Rodri, which, you know, would be a big vote of confidence. He obviously did did play um, away at Arsenal, didn't he, when Rodri wasn't available. Mm. Um, but I don't, I, I don't think Pep will completely go for them because that's not really been the pattern of, of this season. Um, and actually we've shown that we can kind of control teams from a defensive point of view. I know there've been a few leaky goals, but we can generally keep teams at arm's length. I do think though, this is a game that does, despite what I said before, it does suit Chelsea in the, in the games when they've had to be the kind of um, progressive team and take the game to the other team is where they've really looked kind of all at sea. And that's what you saw actually in the second half against Spurs when they can sit in a little bit more, and use their pace on the counter-attack and bring like Mudrick on in the second half and get Palmer to play those balls, they they do look more a bit more comfortable. But I still think City should have more than enough, even in the first half, to be able to kind of get around that midfield. Because, you know, Enzo, Caicedo, Gallagher at the moment, you know, I think in three years that could be one of the best midfields in the league, potentially the best. But right now I still think it's a bit shaky and we should be able to overdo that. Mm. Um, I feel as though Pep has a lot of selection suddenly, even though we feel as though we're getting somehow closer to uh, an idea of what the the main team could be this season. It also feels as though we go into this game with quite a few selection conversations to be had. So, George, just sort of moving from from front to back. Um, I guess the big one in the front line will be Doku and Grealish or both of them. So how do you see that one falling and what would you prefer to see? It's coming away from the game on Wednesday. I thought, well, Grealish played, you know, all games and Doku only came on for 10 minutes. So I thought maybe that had um, solidified Doku starting at the weekend. But then... You never know. You never know with Pep. It's, it's so hard to predict. I don't see him starting with both just yet because I think he'll want to play. I think if you start both of those two, that means one of Alvarez or Foden won't be playing from the get go, and I, and I can't see Pep 
dropping one of those two at the yeah, moment. So, so I think, I think it, uh, I think it might, might be a Grealish start and a Doku come off the bench. Even as brilliant as Doku's been, I just maybe away from, if it was at home, I'd say maybe Doku would start, but maybe away from home. And as, as Lloyd alluded to earlier, I think Pep will have a more conservative approach to the start of the game. So I think maybe he will give the reins to Jack at the start of the match. And then if we're failing to break them down, then Doku will be his ace in the hole to bring on for 20, 30 minutes, maybe. Lloyd, um, Bernardo central and Phil on the right or Bernardo on the right, Phil central or do we, is that how we shoehorn Rico Lewis in by taking one of Bernardo or Foden out of the team? Not necessarily. I think Rico could play as a John Stone. So I think we could play, <clears throat> say, three defenders. So be that Walker, Diaz, Guardiola. And then I think Rico could play then. He'd look like he's, you know, on a team sheet, he'd be, I guess, a right back but he could play that Stones position or they could play four, um, which I think is on balance probably more likely. Um, and so one of the other centre-backs plays, but didn't Akanji get a knock or a bit of an injury? Yes, Maybe. we don't know whether he, we don't know whether he's fit or not. We won't know until the press conference. I think Pep said he had a, felt something in his back, unless I'm mistaken. Yeah, so I'd have thought Pep's preference would be to probably have a Kanji in there because he has been he has played that role. I know Ake did it the other night, but I, I, I just can't really see that. I don't think Ake is good enough on the ball, so that's why I think there's a good chance that Rico plays there. As to whether as to where Bernardo plays, well, I think that de that depends on whether or not Rico starts for me. So I think if Rico doesn't start, then yeah, I would expect to see Bernardo centrally. If he does, I think we'll probably see him more out on the right wing. Um, I actually really want Doku to play this game. De Sassi's played a bit for them this season across the right-hand side. I think Doku would tear that guy an absolute new arsehole. Um, he does not look like a good defender to me. Um, if, you, if, you, if you watch the game the other night, when Son broke through and almost scored in the last minute, De Sassi was just spinning like a little, mm. <clears throat> um, like a dial. So I think Doku could do some serious damage there. Yeah, that's sort of, uh, I just think, I, I think, I don't think, I think as much as Chelsea are slowly and incrementally improving, I don't think that they are at the level where you approach it conservatively. I, I don't, I don't, I don't see any need to. I don't think, with the exception of Cole Palmer, I don't think any of their attackers have looked like killers this season so far, which is reflected in just how how much they've struggled to score goals, let alone win games. Um, and so for that reason, I'd, I'd love to see Doku on the left. I, I've, I do have a sneaky suspicion that we're going to see someone thrown in from left field, either something we've not seen before or something that we've not seen for a while. Um I just I have that feeling with Pep that if you look at the way that the bench was stacked against young boys, 
a lot of lads were rested. There's a lot of opportunity. I, I feel as though, obviously, with the exception of the Stones injury, I feel as though there's a lot there for Pep to play with tactically. And I can see him throwing something in there that we all go, oh, wow, really? Okay, fair enough. Um, maybe, I mean, look, uh, my dream is that he looks at the last 10 minutes of the uh, the young boys game and he goes, you know what? Maybe I should try Rodri, Jack Grealish, left CM, Bernardo Silva, right CM, take Alvarez out if you want, because it allows you to be a bit more conservative then. Take Alvarez out, put Foden on the right, put Doku on the left, and put Haaland up top. So something like that that hasn't really been tried before, I would I would really love to see, um, e even if I don't hold out a ton of hope that we'll see Jack played in a in an eight but i do i think they, i definitely think they should try it i'm surprised they haven't they haven't tried it already um george what's your ideal team obviously we're going to go with the idea that a kanji is available so what's the 11 that you'd pick for sunday not what you think pep will pick what would you pick for sunday what i would pick yeah um edison in goal um then across the back um poof um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with um, yeah, Walker, Akanji, Diaz, Gvardiol as as the back line. Mm. Then Rodri, Rico, Bernardo as the midfield, and then Foden on the right, Doku on the left, Haaland up top. Lloyd? No, Alvarez. Wow. Um, yeah. I can't see that. I think Alvarez will play. Um, I would like... I'll go a bit more aggressive. I would like a back three of Walker, Diaz, Guardiola, and then I want Rico to play alongside Rodri. And then I'd go Foden, Bernardo, Alvarez, Doku or Grealish, and Haaland. Ooh. Interesting. Um, for me, I'd like to see Walker, uh, Diaz, Kanji, Gvardiol, Rodri, Bernardo, Jack, Foden, Doku, Haaland. And I think you're right. There's no way that he takes Alvarez out of the team. But I think at some point, like, yeah, I just, I, I'm, I'm interested in whether they use uh Grealish's little cameo as an opportunity to go you know what let's have a look at him from the start in an eight position uh just to see if it if he can do it and whether it gives us a little bit more flexibility um mm. so yeah so that that's the team that I'd like to see uh none of us have gone for Kovacic there and he's he's played the last few yeah I mean his I, old stomping ground I, I think if I'm if I'm really honest with you, uh, if I didn't have the Jack in the eight position uh, sort of be in my bonnet about wanting to see it tried over a longer period of time, then the team I'd have picked would have been Rodri, Bernardo and Kovacic and then a front three. Um, it, it's, again, it, I guess the point is that whichever way you cut it, by going 4-3-3, three, three, you take... Um, you take Alvarez out of the team and maybe maybe Pep doesn't want to do that. And if he's just going to play with two in there, then 
I, I think it'll be Rodri and Bernardo just because as as good as as good as Kovacic has looked in the last couple of games, Bernardo's Bernardo, and he didn't play at uh, midweek. He was rested. He'll be fresh. So, but these are good problems, no, Lloyd. Great problems. I mean, it's it's great to be able to rest both Bernardo and Rodri midweek for a Champions League game, isn't it? Because they're both absolutely key players, and Alvarez yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. George, score prediction. I think it will be close, so I'm on a low scorer. So I'm going to go 1-0 City, um, Erling Haaland with the goal. Oof. Lloyd? Yeah, I think that's less likely. I think it's more likely to be a, a bit a bit higher scoring. I'm going to go 3-1 City. Yeah, so I I don't think Chelsea will score. I think it'll be 2-0. Uh, I, I think... Uh, um, I think Chelsea's problem has been scoring goals against rubbish teams. So part of me would just be dead furious if we allowed them to score a goal when when they can't buy a goal with the uh, with the forward line that they've got. What about yeah. Palmer Pen? Oh, you've said oh, it, and then he, oh, and then he, he, shush, it he shushes all the city crowd. <laughs> do we? Oh, do, God. Do, we, do we feel like? Do we feel a way? Like, so I'm just going to put it on the table, right? I'm dead pleased for Cole Palmer. I I'm really happy at the impact that he's made at Chelsea. Obviously, I hope he has a terrible game on Sunday, but notwithstanding that, I'm really pleased for him, and I'm pleased that he's sort of gone there, backed himself, and has basically been probably their best attacking player since he joined. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm likewise. I'm. I don't have any negativity or ill feelings towards him moving away and and going to Chelsea. That he's playing well. Like you say, I don't. I don't want him to play well against us. But I. W- I want to see him succeed because I think it's a great reflection on the work that City do throughout the academy and also somebody who's worked with Pep for quite a few seasons. It shows the the impact that that, that has on someone and as a player. So. It's going to be weird him like because I still part of me still feels like he's a City player. I know that's weird. I feel like it's a weird loan deal we've agreed with Chelsea, even though it's a forty-five million pound transfer. Um, I, I think I'll I've accepted Sterling's a Chelsea player, but I've still quite kind of in the back of my mind I still view Palmer through the City lens in a weird Definitely. way. Definitely. Lloyd? I'm not sure Chelsea fans have accepted that Sterling's a, a fair. Chelsea player. But, uh, <laughs> Very fair. But there we go. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I was I was pretty gutted that he left in the summer. Um, but I'm I'm really happy for him. And I think he's proven how good he is th- that quickly. Um, also, Pochettino did an interview a couple of weeks ago, a bit like the one that Pep did the other night saying, oh, well, you know, you know, I was interested in Doku, but really he was a cheeky signing. Um Poch said the same thing about him not being the guy that requested Palmer. And he said, but since he's come in, he's probably been our best best player and he's kind of mandated his position in the team. So fair play to him. And yeah, I mean I'm I'm really happy for him. I hope he uh I hope he's terrible the weekend. <laughs> but um if he continues to play like he does, he's you know, he'll have a shout for the England team. Um and actually his transition into playing a bit more centrally is not something I really saw, actually. Um, he obviously did it for City. Uh, that one game he played as a false nine looked really good. But he's kind of played almost as a number 10 for Chelsea and been the one sliding the balls through in behind for Sterling, Mudrick, etc. Um, so to, to see him develop in that facet as well has been, has been great. 
Absolutely. Look, I, I always felt he could play centrally. I, I actually, it to me, he was never really a winger. For me, he's always been a sort of central player. I think the problem at City was always that there was, uh, we just have always had so many talented central players throughout Palmer's time. And you saw, you see with Pep, like just how reluctant he was to play Foden centrally, that he obviously views that those kind of central positions are so, so important that he prefers a certain amount of experience in there but no I I, I think he's going to have a cracking Chelsea career and I, I think he'll be in the England team by the end of the season I think he goes to the Euros um, right gentlemen another another Friday show done George thank you very much thank you have a great weekend guys Lloyd thank you very much cheers mate to everybody who listened, thank you very much. This was the Friday show on the Night 320 podcast. Remember, the Night 320 player is right there. Go to our SoundCloud, check out all the previews of all the podcasts that we do. And if you like them, sign up £4 a month. You get hours and hours and hours of content, City-related content and Premier League content every week. In the meantime, be safe, be well, and as always, up the treble-winning blues.